Cause I've got a golden ticket To this dank, urine-soaked hellhole We will own this fucking city You're tired of taking in clothes Dollar tree a day Know your back is hurting And that's for sweating Been bending over half of the day You're beating clothes on a wash tub Scrub them in a iron tub Long as we keep on singing this song I know you won't mind Welcome to Taste in the East End, episode 105, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the prof, Carl Riley. Hello. And uh, we are still in the lair, still in the dungeon, the murder dungeon that is the prof's house. And uh, Johnny Blues, it's looking good. Why are you convinced I'm a serial killer? Yeah, yeah trap doors. Is a somewhere? You'll be confused with Pat Tuhi. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're still sponsored by the fantastic Camille, and it is gorgeous as usual. And uh, we're running out of uh, dishes at this stage, prof. I think it's it's just going to be the official meal of the of the podcast. It's got to be crispy chili chicken, doesn't it? And we can say this absolutely without the pressure of trying to secure advertising revenue. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it is gorgeous. But uh, yeah, we're always open to the... Um, can we just say that I had a massive spike in the revenue since they uh, have came on board with us? And they, they're really, really, really doing well financially. Like, purely because of the podcast. So if anyone else would like to do really, really well financially because of this podcast with their business, let us know. Um... Yeah, so uh, we're going to review the St. Pat's and Dundalk games from last week. Look ahead to the biggest game of the season, possibly last couple of years, Prof. Uh, on Friday and the FA Cup semi-final at Daily Mount. Prof. <laughs> Our Sean Grover's ultimate 11 continues with the left-back position. John Bourne and Emma Wheatley selected those for us. And we've got an interview with Robert's Kitman, Mal Slattery. I hope I gave you a few... Uh, did he give you any socks or jocks or anything? No, he didn't, but uh, we should call him the, the elusive mouse Slattery. The elusive mouse Slattery. I had right. to pester him for a good six weeks to get that interview. Ah, uh, he's some boy, oh yeah. Great guy, but very, very hard to get a hold of. Are you feeling a bit starstruck right now, Gar? Because you're basically sitting next to a celebrity. Because I had my first ever viral tweet. I saw week. that, and it was a cracker. I'll give you that. I'll let you, I'll let you roll it out there, prof. Uh, no, I just encourage people to read it. I don't think I want to just re- read it back out on the show. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I've been waiting years. So That's actually gonna help. Yeah. That's actually gonna help now. Yeah. By not saying it. <laughs> I've been, been like, ah, I've been waiting years. I feel like I've been on the verge a few times, and I'm just like, I've always wondered, like, what's it like? Okay, the last likes. time I checked, you were up to a serious amount of likes. Thirteen hundred. Thirteen hundred likes. That is pretty much viral. Yeah. And we know you know all about viral, prof. So 
yeah, Johnny Blue's prof coming along nicely. Um, you got a sneaky pick of uh, Johnny Blue doing the stripes. Now, can we just get get this clear? Because people were getting upset that it was stripes. The reason it is stripes is because that is the way the wood paneling goes on the wall. It would look a bit odd if you did hoops on it because the paneling goes down vertically the way it is. So my dad just did a green and white. But the actual wall that everything is on, the Linfield uh, C, all the memorabilia we have, that is going to be a green and white specialist wall. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic looking. And um, People thought it might be some sort of tribute, retro tribute to her. 1928 team we wore stripes yeah no yeah a couple of people put up photos but Johnny Blue is actually available if you ever need any painting decorations and he's actually doing a couple of hoops uh, houses this week and um, he's always good to go he's very good he's the Picasso the Crumlin Picasso as they call him you just might end up walking around in his underpants drinking tea in your house thinking he owns the place but he does a good job um, yeah so it's coming along nicely I'd expect I'd expect it to be done soon enough. It's just cosmetic at this stage, a bit of decorating and hanging stuff up. So, looking forward to getting it back. We'll be, we were asked, will there be a grand reopening? I think so. I think it'll be a great yeah. show. Hopefully to celebrate the cup. Yeah, so our quiz semi-finals as well. Next week, Prof Pico and Aaron McInef and Eden Boyle versus Joey O'Brien. So, I think Eden Boyle was the... the the shot in the dark there I didn't think he'd get through at all I did it's Joey Joey uh, is gonna absolutely hockey him out of it <laughs> Pico Pico's gonna be it's Pico so. and Joey in the final and that's yeah. heavyweight that's a day out as they say a day out at the Aviva some people were horrified I'd say you were as well with uh, Al's guess of Ronaldinho last week for African striker you were shaking your head weren't you he's dead to me <laughs> you just love Al well, me and Ronnie we go way back actually I was on you know me, I'm a beer wanker, and there's a place, I'm going to try and get another, I'm going to see if they, they're listening now, we're getting a response out of them, there's a place called Polonaise in Font Hill, and they sell Ronaldinho beers, so that's the reason I bought them. Ronaldinho They're beer. called Warka. Warka? And, uh, Do you need a gap in your teeth to open them? They're, they're, I actually, I'm trying to open them with my eye recently. Um, yeah, the picture of Ronaldinho, I think he's fucked financially, I think he's selling his wares to anyone who'll take him. But it's six point five and it's a belter of a beer. It's a real. It's dark enough. But second, I saw Rondinho on you. There was four of them. Thank you very much. But the semi. So uh, are you still in the seven? Are you still in the seven people? No, I didn't enter. I'm just saying. That Would you have been though? No, I can't. I'm not going to enter a competition. Even though you're, win, your own your own prediction though. Tifty's purchase. Yeah, but I'm still in. It. <laughs> so like I said, me and Sean Keane are the only people who predicted Joey to beat Pigo in the final. Yeah, Sean Keane will be winning. And everything else to happen. He's definitely blacklisted. Yeah, so that's Johnny Blues and uh, the semis. We have the results of our polls for the best right back from the Milltown area. We've Willie Bork with one vote. Poor Willie got one vote. Shea Kyo got two. McNeville got eleven, and Harry Kenny romped home with sixty-six in Harry's corner. So uh, he definitely romped that one, Prof. Yeah, it was. I've already recorded the. Uh the centre-backs one, uh, Jason Maloney was involved there and he was kind of surprised that McNeville wasn't up for selection for the centre-backs rather than right-back because he did play centre-back quite a bit mill down. So, But uh, you can tell by some of the votes Neville got that he was uh, held in high regard by Yeah, some definitely. I mean, if he was a centre-half and he was yeah. regarded as one of the best, a people regard him as the best middle-town area. It's just that he was up against Harry Kenny there. Mm, Maybe yeah. if he was up for the centre-back poll... 
and you had to pick two out of the four, he might have snuck into the team. We could even do an alternative one somewhere along the lines of people who haven't been picked as well. <laughs> it on- is. It's, it's, a, it's debatable, isn't it? The it's honourable mention 11. The honourable mention 11, <laughs> something you don't ever want to be in. Subs bench. It's like a most improved player. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're going to go on to the post-1987 and nominees. Matt Britton. Three votes, uh, Simon Madden, five, Willie Bourke, 21, and Pat Sullivan, 136. And you know what? Pat Sullivan, if you remember how good he was in the season, I think it was 2010, there, there was no fullback like him. He was maraud. I think him and Stevens, the year that him and Stevens were fullbacks. They I think he missed f- a lot that season, though. That, he, that, got, he got an injury in Galway. What was the what was the season where he was fucking excellent? Him 2011. And, 2011. Him he and Stevens like 12, were unbelievable. So he got 12 assists that season. He was that was our best attacking option was our fullbacks we were fucking stunned that season and it just I'm not surprised he romped home with that one so big shout out to Pat Sullivan who hates people and football and football <laughs> and uh, yeah so we'll move on to the game Drew Nil all at home to Pats on Friday and Boyle Bourne and Bulger came in for Finn McAniff and O'Neill uh, Prof you were having points I did, and as I was having points, uh, I put a question out to the lads, and they all had to think about it. When's the last time Gary Parsons made an appearance in the 1899 bar? I know, it's been a while. I've had a couple of things going on, and, you know, it's uh, it's been a tough time for me. But yeah. uh, um, do, do you want to go into it in great detail? <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually trying to think. I couldn't take back to it, because I missed Pat's. And then I'd missed a couple from on the holidays and then a few more. I, I just It's just life. Life gets in the way sometimes. It shouldn't get in the way of Rovers, but it did this time, unfortunately. Right, Whedon's food, Gar. So good, I added out a turn. It was supposed to be Camille's turn this week, but I was too tempted by the, the meatballs. The meatballs. And even Aaron McAniff is a fan of them. He's been, they've spoke about them before. We might be able to get a sneaky, sneaky little portion in Daily Mount. Um... Turnout, prof. What do you think of it? Yeah, pretty good turnout. Uh, Some good pyro pats by pats. I actually love that. I thought it was brilliant. The smoke, smoke is tops. Looks really, really good. It just envelops the whole pitch. Do you get fine for smoke? <laughs> I don't know. We must have been fined twenty grand for smoke, based on the last balls game because I couldn't breathe. <laughs> yeah. But when I came out of the the bar, I was a couple of minutes late for kickoff because I was oh, doing, ho, ho. Doing, doing doing interviews. Uh, and yeah. I saw the pyro and I was like really? Yeah, you swear it was good. a derby or something yeah. like imagine not imagine not being like having a main rival <laughs> like who is their main rival? it's Shells now again who do they feel like their main rival is? they're probably delighted Shells came up it's so, so irrelevant but the way past players and fans go on about this game it's so different to the way we treat it <sighs> like when they totally were totally different when they were winning things it mattered same as Sligo when they were winning things, they were rivals. But otherwise, do we really care all that much? No, we don't. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Um, Some dope in the sales stand set off a firework. Uh, like I said, I got there a few minutes late, so I came up with the steps. And then someone shouted at me to get out of the way. And I was like, what? And then was, I, it, was it like this? I was, like you, you were just kind of slow motion. Yeah. And then it was like... Proof. No, it missed me by a mile in the end, but it, and then you turn slightly yeah. dramatic look, and you just see a firework coming. Yeah. <laughs> Too much into this. No, it actually hit Tommy Kelly. And, yeah, uh, and that's the ne- thing. Nearly hit his daughter. Yeah, so uh, Tommy, you're, you you hit Tommy with a firework. You want to rock up and apologise because uh, 
Not, not a man to fuck around with. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. James Lowe got an absolutely beautiful picture from the stand. One of those pictures like that could potentially win awards. But completely ruined by Rob Lavelle's mug. Rob's mug. Not the first time Rob's mug has ruined photographs. Everyone else is looking towards the pitch. The players are out there. And he's looking up towards James. Totally ruined the picture. Totally ruined him. Big mug on him. This was a photo bomb for the ages. This was, this was something. <laughs> Probably going, hey, did you see that new video? <laughs> yeah. No. Scores belters some of the time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Never forget that. Sligo. Uh, disjointed display, prof. Some very yeah, good reaction that's, saves. That's the words I heard he was a lot. Our shape was all over the shop. Uh I did ask Brazier about this after my interview and And then he said, like, Get out of the club. He, he basically told me to go away. <laughs> he basically told you to get out of the club. Yeah. <laughs> the way it worded it was. Uh so we we've we you think it about our formation because you know you put Lafferty in the right of a back tree. So at least that part was definitely tinkering. It was like but tinkering means slightly changing something. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. But you said that we've played this way for two months, which I do have to argue with because we definitely switched to a back four for the Harps and Galway games. So we have not consistently played three the back for two months. I'm not a fan of it. Well, I it worked in Europe. Yeah, in Europe when you don't know what you're up against. We know what we're up against with this, so let's let's go to them. I, I just I don't think it works when you you have a bit of scouting and you a bit of info on the teams. I, I don't know. I don't like explaining it at all, and I pray we don't pay it in daily man because I think we'll just avoid pressure, and when we do avoid pressure, we struggle, and it was it was obvious in Dundalk as well. Whenever they pressed us high the way they did, we just lost the ball. We we're struggling, yeah. especially with that formation. Doesn't seem to suit Grace at the moment. No, no, doesn't doesn't at all. He's just more a home with four at the back, and. I, I'm praying we don't play three at the back out there. It's 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 a recipe for disaster. Ronan Finn, an unused sub. That's converted wing back, Ronan Finn. A la Nutsy, isn't it? Didn't Nutsy used to play him out wide? That's what led to him leaving. That was the end of him as yeah. his role career playing out wide. And, uh, By the way, neither Finn nor Watts have scored a goal since the 3 0 win away to Harps in May. Oh, wow. Finn is. What I will say is that I'd, I'd love to see Finn in midfield on Friday. We'll get to our starting levels and predictions in a while. It's not going to be the case, I don't think. Um, his press is something that we've missed, and especially against this team, we're going to have to press them. Yeah, when we're doing our levels lately or later, you can you'll probably hear my voice. The pain it gives me to not put Finn in the middle. Yeah, I think it hurts. I think Jason Maloney kind of put me onto it as well about his his pressing ability and the way he kind of drags the team forward at times. And I had been a little bit critical of Finn in recent in, in early weeks. Yeah, but unfortunately barring a miraculous recovery from Joey, it, I think it's gonna be Finn. Right, I think Joey's right a plaster as well, so it's yeah. not happening at all. What was the name of his uh, injury again? The uh plantar fascia. The plantar fascia. Um so that is the injury Joey has. I mentioned Watts now scoring. I loved how we just changed the Watts song to the Burke song. You know, he scores goals from anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like sorry, what's he? Well, he hasn't been scoring, so just yeah. change the Burke now. And Burke will only get the finger out as well. Um, 
Yeah, so that was the pretty much the first half. Uh, some well, snap mention, saves. Yeah, the saves. Two great reaction saves. The one in the middle was great because he was kind of like, whoa, at the, <laughs> at the second one. He kind of tipped it over and he was flailing. Well, at least the one at down least to the right one, was pretty good. At least one of the two, he saw them quite late. Yeah, the second one, I think. Yeah. Second one. And if you look at Manus's saves, a lot, a lot of his great goalkeeping this season has more been his... You know, his assurance. You know, collecting corners and making important saves in important times. But how many reaction saves has he made like this? Only a handful. So he made two in the space of six, seven minutes here. Yeah, his body's still a temple. The guy is still fit as fuck. And I'm I'm terrified that he won't sign back next season. I really am. I'll pay the petrol. Up and down <laughs> that. And I'll pay the toll. I'm sure a couple of other fans will throw a few quid towards it. I definitely would. It's... it's it's not something I want to go through again, a goalkeeping crisis. No. Because it's, it's on our doorstep, realistically. What if he decides to not come, not travel down anymore and just <laughs> sign for fucking, I don't know, Linfield? Could potentially undo three years' work. Hometown club, sign for Linfield, you never know, it could happen. As for our chances, we had a couple of shots. Green had been wide. Berkey had a shot that swerved in the last second, so Clark had to Isn't save every Berkey shot. Yeah. People are noticing again how, much, how often he shoots. Every time. Yeah, he it's like he gets the ball, he's geared up to shoot. It's just he's loading that shotgun. That's the thing. Like last year, you forgave it because he scored thirteen goals. So then he scores, and then you forget about it for a while. Now you just want to build up the play and kind of do something with it. And so like, he's he's just going to try and shoot now. Hmm. Disrupts us slightly. Um. Yeah. So we had the second half shooting into the south stand, preferably what we always want. And a couple of chances for Grace and two for Cavo. How good has Cavo been lately for me? I think he's flown yeah. over the radar. I think he's been our best player for his, the last few games. Yes, he has. His left foot is just... It's precision. It's power. It's gorgeous. So, it's the, the left foot of Cavo I'll be looking out for on Friday. And uh, that heat-seeking missile that he unleashes from it is um is a real asset to have. And uh, see his pass for Greener against Dunbar. Oh. Just let's... Yeah. Ah. Oh. Ah, oh. <laughs> the neighbours are thinking now. <laughs> Carl's doing it again. Yeah, Cavo had the two best chances of the game. The first one, there was, I think, it maybe on the hour mark, he took it down, lovely touch, and he found himself two on goal. Clark saved it. Second one, Alua had come off the bench, lovely little true ball for him. Again, Clark saved it, and the greatest chance that was a header from a corner. I love how threatening Grace is now every game. Gets up, doesn't he? Great. Gets up. Grace has one or two chances from How good was that save? Every game. How good was that save from Clark? Yeah, that was brilliant. Another reaction one as well. And then right after that save, we had a big handball show. Handball all day, but I thought way. it was handball, yeah. Yeah, handball all day. Same with another one in, in um, the Dundalk game. We'll talk about that soon. I have to mention, the time wasting at the end from them was utterly ridiculous. Nil like, all. In the 90th minute, I kid you not, there were three players lying on the ground. So, okay, two of them were a clash of heads, so let's say that was genuine, right? Right. But the third one, Dave Webster lost a boo, and he's lying on the ground. <laughs> I'm convinced he's going to call the physio over to help him. He's lying like he's dead. Three players down, waiting for a goal kick to be taken. It just shows you, isn't it? Happy enough with the, with the away draw. So, yeah, frustrating evening all around, I would say. I think so. I agree with you, Prof. Do you think not having a game for a week had any effect? Possibly. But then again, 
we did play the defence forces, kept on our toes. But no, it's it's a it's a mentality as well at times. Like do do we buy into not having a game? Is it a is it a welcome rest? There's a couple of angles you can come at here. I don't know, I think no, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it. I just thought we were disjointed and we're struggling with the the tree at the back. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last time we had a gap week was the summer break. And then we so we lost the balls and then we came back and played them dark. Remember the whole Ferrari about yeah. drinking on holidays now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, yeah. we had a brilliant performance that day. And they got a, a you know, like I said, it swings and, and roundabouts, isn't it? You yeah. don't know what way it, it can be approached. I think it's all I think it's just a mental thing. I don't think we should even be discussing it really, the whole week off thing, because we did have like most recently we did have a game. Mm. A competitive, not a competitive game, but it was a game, you know. Well, we're, we're probably crying out for rest. Five yeah. games in fifteen days, possibly. Yeah, and like that, I mean, we won those five. So, Twiggy was there. Had a, had a quick chat with him afterwards. The, the Twigster, and we've secured him. Eventually, we'll get him on. We want to have a has to be a monthly madness because we spoke about it, didn't we? Yeah. Like you rang me and you're like, "What well, we will we get him?" No, someone, someone, I think someone else asked me. Oh, you should go get Twiggy. I'm like, Do you know what? I don't want them. Yeah. A little shit interview in, in the weird washroom. In the weird washroom, the creepy stairwell. Get him, get him in Johnny Blues. Get him down. Him and Torn would be great. Mm. Fucking, that'd be deadly. We'd have to make a whole thing out. We'd have to invite people. Yeah, we'd have to think about it. Although Turner's not too impressed with us at the moment. Ah, but he still definitely wants to go on the show. He was the one trying to get Twiggy, get a hold of Twiggy for me before. So yeah, yeah, definitely. That's going to be probably the monthly madness to watch out for. Uh, yeah, so what else have we got? We have, uh, mathematically, we secured a runners-up spot in our highest finish since 2011, and our points tally as well was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, we're heading up towards there. Ultimately, what we have to put this down to is not being able to beat Dundalk and Balls and not being able to step up and kick it up a gear. We've got a great points tally, that's no problem. But ultimately, we can't beat what's in front of us and what's ahead of us. And our biggest rival is as balls can't couldn't seem to beat them only once this season. How many once in many games? Nine. Once in nine, yeah. And we had well, our one win, dark in, one win in two seasons against Dundalk is is woeful. So that is ultimately why it is we just can't seem to step up and be counted when it needs to be. That, that game I mentioned after summer break, we were brilliant that day mm. against Dundalk. So and. Yeah, but they, they're, the game in they're April. we're just saying like they're pulling it out of fire every time though. Mm. They're being rubbish against certain teams. They're pulling off wins like they're. That's that's the difference. That's mm. why they're champions, unfortunately. But I won't put it in context. Like I said, we were brilliant that day in Tala. That was a smashing grab win. The game at Oriel in April. That that squad was patched up because of the red cards and injuries. Mm-hmm. So. What was the other game? Nil-nil and Tala, that was pretty early in the season. We're kind of feeling each other out. Yeah. And this was essentially a dead rubber. Do uh, do you get a medal for runners up? I assume you do, yeah. yeah so I think it's not something you want to be hanging on the mantelpiece now, is it? Mm. Derry and Bowles drew nil all the brandy well, so it's as you were for the race of European qualification. I thought Bowles would have would have t- took a or not, I thought they would have got scalped here I mean I'm impressed with Derry this season I think every time I've seen them play they play nice ball and they're trying to do do good, do good things on the pitch like balls are no mug let's be honest they're no mugs at all mm. and it's this game on Friday man it's, it's all anyone's talking about all anyone's talking about and work and that's that's 
How is anybody getting any work done this week? That's the thing. It's excruciating. Dublin must be at a standstill. Excruciating this week. I swear to God. I'm glad it's busy. We're a little bit busy because we're leading up to Christmas. Well, in postal terms. I'm... I'm I can't do it. I'm just nervous. I'm speechless. I'm stuttering here. It's just... The week leading up to this is just excruciating. Jesus Christ. Only three goals scored in the five games on Friday, I'd say. Soccer Republic was great crack. Where did you listen to the greatest league in the world? No. Nope. I thought Calm was plagiarising oh, you again. Was this Dan Lambert on as well? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was coming out with some great stats. Like this is the least amount of games scored in a round since a long, long time. And well, that wasn't mine, so yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> just shooting people down here. That wasn't mine, so yeah, move on. <laughs> I thought you weren't. Yeah, you weren't credited with it. Was Stato? Hello, Stato. Oh, he's some good. Your stats, rival. Yeah. Yeah, your arch nemesis. Just see him walking on the street, and I just glared him, and then the music. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, prop has got like a knife now. He's just sharpening it. And he's like, yeah, his stats are good. I'm gonna yeah. get him like a fish. Uh, Connor Curran scored his second own goal in three games. What happened there? Yeah, he's uh, he's racking them up there. El Connor Curran speaks well, but scores a lot of own goals. Um, I don't know. I could just that, that, one of them. The first one he couldn't do anything about it. Hit off him. One of those hit off the bar, back of the head jobs. I haven't seen this one, but uh. Yeah, our friend of the podcast, co-host, and uh, just a good, good all-round guy, mm. Connor Cairns. So we're gonna have uh, John Bourne and the Wheats, Emma Wheatley, up next, and uh, they're gonna pick our all-time fullbacks. Okay, it's time now for our Tales from the East and all-time Shamrock Rovers eleven. So so far we've done goalkeepers, we've done right backs. So today we're going to do left fulls, and we have John Byrne. He'll cover left fulls in the Milltown here, and we have Emma Wheatley. She'll do left fulls after 1987. And as always, there's a certain rule about this, and that is it's players who made a debut in that era. So we have John Cody. He debuted before 1987, so he was not eligible for Emma today. So don't give out to her if she doesn't pick him. So we're going to start with John. Give us your first left back. Yeah, well, um, my memory stretched back to the 1960s. Uh, so the earliest fullback I remember, or left fullback playing for Rovers, I remember was Pat Carty. He was one of the senior players uh, during the six in a row. I think he actually he's the only one who was ever present in the six in a row. Um, and he played with Rovers up until the, I, I think he was there until the playoff in 1971 when we lost to Cork Hibs. And uh, he was just—I mean, I was quite young at the time, but I do remember he was extremely consistent. He was probably the first name on the team sheet every week. You know, he might have been. Yeah, you know, running down the wing like Frank O'Neill and banging in goals like Mick Leach. But, you know, a very important player, obviously. You know, the fact that he, he won some silverware at Rovers. Almost never got injured, too. Obviously, he never got it. Well, actually, he did. Because he, he, he um, if memory serves, he only missed one European game. And that was Chalka because he was injured. So. So he's your first choice? Yeah. Model of consistency. The first LF full that I remember seeing playing for Rovers. So, obviously, special memories. So Emma, your first choice after 1987. Yeah, really similar to John actually. I started Sporting Rovers in 93-94. So again, it's sort of my first team, my first memory. So my first left full I'm picking is Owen Mullen, who uh, would have won the league with us there with Ray Tracy 93-94. And similarly, he was just, he was Mr. Consistent. Um, he seemed to start every game at the time. I thought myself a little footballer and I played left full. So it was sort of the first name I'd look for maybe on the team sheet. 
Um, he's the oldest player I've picked. He was probably sort of late 20s when he, when he signed for Rovers. He'd already played maybe nearly 10 years in the league at that stage with Home Farm, UCD. Um, so when he signed for Rovers, um, he was already quite experienced. Um, and considering that we had so many downs compared to ups after Milltown and being our first league championship he was definitely as you said John like special memory so yeah he definitely I think warrants the number one position for me wasn't bad looking either was he they all are John they all are it's those hoops it's just something else I was ribbing uh, Robert Goggins and McDera last week for the notes they had. Emma, you have uh, post-its. I have post-its and I have pink post-its because I was listening to Robert and McDera last week and I got quite panicked when I realised I didn't have dates of birth, places of birth, schoolboy clubs, what they ate for dinner yesterday, so I thought I needed to up my game and bring a few post-its. We'll get that from you later. Exactly. So, John, your second choice. Uh, well, moving, moving on... Uh, we had a couple of good full-backs during the 70s, Jimmy Gregg, David Parks, but my next choice would be Jim Beglin. Um, probably better known elsewhere for his exploits with Liverpool. Um, for example, he was one of the players he played in uh, the terrible night in Heysel when Liverpool played uh, Juventus, and 39 Juve fans never went home. Uh, but Jim was at Rovers, he was only at Rovers for a couple of years, he signed, I think he was only about 17 when he came to Milltown. Uh, that would have been during the Johnny Jules period. And I, he made maybe, I don't know, about 50 appearances for hours during that time. Uh, but you could see from the first moment he stepped on the pitch, you thought, this lad's not going to be with us for terribly long. Uh, draw a contemporary comparison. Uh, I'd compare him Jack Bourne in terms of, you know, we're just going, we've, we've just got a loan of this guy. You know, he's gone elsewhere. And uh, he, he was superb, a class above. I mean, I, I don't know, do you like confectionery folks? I would regard him as, as a, a Toblerone amongst oh. trigger bars. Oh, yeah, very fancy. Yeah, he, was, he was class, pure class. And I remember we played Liverpool in the friendly in November 1982. They were the best team in Europe at the time. Um, but they couldn't beat the hoops. It was one-all draw. Liam Buckley scored a great goal. But um, Jim was one of the star players that night. And uh, a couple of months later, he was signed by Liverpool. And that was it. That's the last we saw of him. Obviously stood out that night, so. Hmm? He stood out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he was every. He always stood out. Every week, you could just see. He was a different class. You know, like, they just have like, really good footballers. They just have an air about them. You know, it's like, it's like most of us are bluffing, but he knew what he was doing, you know? Um, and although he wasn't with us too long, he was just a class above, and that's why I picked Jim. Okay, Emma, your second one. Um, I think we had a lean couple of years for brilliant left fulls after, uh, after that league win inside so it was probably around the year 2000 that uh, Richie Byrne signed for us and I just thought yeah this is exactly what we've needed the last couple of years and we haven't had and um, we've maybe had a few uh, a few nice guys and a few you know decent you know rover skins but they haven't really been a class above what we really deserved so when Richie Byrne signed for us from you know schoolboy football Belvedere Selmar I think he was maybe only about 19 didn't like he could have been you could have told me he was playing 10 years in the league he was just so assured and um, could could cross the ball could tackle could 
could run, could head a ball. He was he just sort of stood out. And at the time we were we were playing in Richmond Park and we were just starting to experience European football again. So even European games again, similar to you, John, you knew he wasn't really going to be with Rovers for much longer. And I think maybe uh, I think he wanted our play, young player of the year in his first season with us, and within another season or so, he was he was gone to Scotland and between Scotland and England, sort of played out his career there. But yeah, Richie Byrne, class above. He's still fondly remembered, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think especially you know the early sort of two thousands, Liam Buckley, that kind of era, um, when we did have really good players, but maybe weren't winning leagues and obviously weren't winning cups. Unfortunately, he was one of those standout players that I think yeah, I think a lot of people would remember. Okay, you're a third choice, John. All right, well, we're moving ever so swiftly towards the fourth in a row team, uh, and. One of the standout players for me during, even just before that period, was John Cody. Now John didn't start out as a, a left full, but uh, he became a great Rovers left full. And uh, I think the thing about John, obviously being a Rovers fan, it, it was like we had he was air represented, representative on the pitch, which was brilliant because you'd be going, who would you like to be? John Cody. He's actually playing for Rovers, and he'd look and he actually did. Now John scored a few goals as well, and I always remember him coming up. He'd run over to the shed and climb up the fence, you know, and pump the fist in the air, you know. But um, he wasn't just a Rovers fan; he was actually a really good footballer. I mean, the fact that he signed for Chelsea tells you all you need to know. Now, John was with Rovers for God, about, about six years, I'd say, about five anyway. Um, I think he debuted as a centre forward. Yeah. You know, he play he could play left side midfield as well as left back and uh, I think that says a lot about his ability the fact that he could play in several positions I'm sure he, uh, John would have played in goal for Rovers you know? but um, he was a very effective fullback and because of his experience playing up front he, could be, he, was, he was an option as well in terms of you know, the overlapping fullback you know? and you knew, you knew John was going to give you at least 100% every week so that's why I'd have him that's one of my favourite left, left faults we had him on the podcast with Kevin Brady. How good was that partnership on the left flank? Um, well, I'll tell you about Kevin Brady in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Teaser. Uh, Emma, you're a third. Um, so I think I, had to, I felt I had to wait for another about 10 years before another really, really good left full came along, and that left full is Ender Stevens. Um, and I think whoever maybe would have known and loved and applauded Ender Stevens you know 10 years ago nearly when he was playing for us I think he's a good few more fans now um, similar to, to Richie Byrne he came in about 19 or 20 years of age really young um, I think another Belvo ex-Belvo schoolboy. Um, but again he just it was I think for me the European games I think he, he played maybe was a 14 or 15 Europe had U- European appearances um, and every single game he just looked better and better and more and more assured with every game um, and unfortunately again didn't stay for all that long um, and uh, has since gone on between Ireland under 21s Premier League and now is, is a current and would be one of the first names on the team sheet in the senior international squad. Did Burnley didn't they to Clausway back up four divisions? Unbelievable. I mean, when he went over to Villa, it was kind of you know it was it was banners and balloons and bells and whistles and you know then he kind of had a bit of a tricky couple of years between going on loan here, there, and everywhere. But he's definitely done so well in the last couple of years, and you can see it this season. He deserves to be there. He deserves to be where he's playing. Definitely great player. 
Okay, I think we know who your fourth is, John. <laughs> mm, let me see now. Kevin Brady. Um, Kevin came to Rovers from Bowles. He was one of Jim McLaughlin's great sons, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and he made that left fullback berth his own. Um, reminded me a bit of Pat Carty in terms of just really solid, very cool, um, very good control, very smart, very intelligent footballer. And uh, one of my favourite mo- uh, Kevin Brady moments was um, he was injured during the 85-86 uh, season and we were playing Galway away and Galway had been unbeaten. It was towards the end of the season. And uh, actually, Rovers' title looked under threat for once. And then Jim McLaughlin announced just before the game that, oh, Kevin Brady's fit. You know, and suddenly everybody went, great, Kevin's in. And Rovers were amazing that day. They 3-0 up after 30 minutes. Absolutely destroyed Galway. And you know, right, that's, that's the third league. We're going to win that. And that's the kind of thing he offered. He, you know, he, he mightn't have... You know, scored the goals like McBorn, Noel Larkin, Alan Campbell. Um, I think his only goal actually was the cup final. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, he, he, again, the kind of player that you, you might notice. But, you know, you want, you want goals like that in your team, especially in defence. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is actually about Rovers and left fulls and certainly during the 80s. But it just dawned on me actually on the way out that uh, both Kevin Brady and John Cody, postman. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has anything to do with the mindset of a left foot. As I mentioned, when, when they were in the show, there was four postmen in the room. Them two, me and Gary. So, probably a record. So, number four for Emma. I act, this was the hardest one for me because I deliberated over and back between season to season. Um, players I liked, players I thought were good looking. Um, <laughs> the usual. Um, and I did really want to give a couple of them sort of a, you know, a little nod and then I realised today that I was completely forgetting about Sean Kavanagh and the revelation that he has been. And I think I only realised it when, um, when he was injured during or, you know, the, the infamous Bowes game that we won't speak about. Um, and he missed five, six games, I think. Um, and he came back a half-time against Derry. And there was just that moment of relief. It was like, oh, thank God Sean's back. Um, and yeah, he's a, again, he's you can see you can see what a player he is. You can see what a footballing brain he has. He's he's two steps ahead of everybody else, and he's the first left full I've picked who can actually score a goal. So it's win-win. Would you prefer him a left back or left wing though? Um, I think he overlaps so well, and he gives so much support to whoever's ahead of him that I think he's so assured, and I think similar to whether it was Owen Mullen or my little hat tip might have been to Robbie Clark from the first division team we don't concede goals when Sean Cavanagh is playing so I think no I'd prefer him I'd prefer him at left full so when this goes to a poll on Monday out those far who are you picking? that's the toughest question of the night who am I picking? maybe Enda at the moment yeah at the moment my head is saying Enda but my heart is saying Sean Kavanagh because in about 10 minutes hopefully he'll be uh, he'll be doing what we need to do against Pat well, John who are you going to pick out of those four well uh, I'm kind of like I don't know if you remember that song Torn Between Two Lovers <laughs> but uh, my heart says John Cody but my head says Jim Begley Jim was one of the, the most skillful players I've ever seen at Rovers so I just have to give him the nod over John I'm sorry alright so that was John and Emma uh, resident gin and tonic connoisseur Emma and John the telly man 
from RTE, so fantastic stuff, loving it. And uh, oh, yeah. the Gog has set the standard here. The Gog is we're we're, we're really yeah. gonna have to keep. We're gonna have people bringing notes. You're saying she had stickies, sticky notes, and everything. Yeah, she she felt under serious pressure because she couldn't say like where the pairs were born and where they were buried and all. So how if but, they had vegan diets? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, poor Emma got no work done at all last week trying to cope with these four. The thinking cab was on all day at her desk. And do you know that Emma is very possibly on the list of Adrian? Oh my God. She's a listener now, be careful. She's missing the game. She's an awful social like this one. Oh dear. She's gone off on her travels as usual and she's probably going to miss the game. She's actually oh. on the fence though. She said she wasn't sure. She could possibly miss the flight. You never know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I noticed the hatred uh, entry there. People have very different problems in their efforts to listen to our show. Emma says her commute is too short, so Ooh. she only gets to listen to parts of it at a time. Whereas other people, I thought they were like they clearly have way too much time in their hands at work, <laughs> and they're listening to all six. It depends on the commute though, as well. It looks at Ray Whelan. Ray is outside Dublin, so it's perfect for for somebody like mm. that. Maloney is probably the most demanding fan of all time. <laughs> and it, 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 he just gives grief left right and centre he just likes giving grief but the the longer the better as they say matron. so um, I love the the, yeah. pa- the Pat Carty nomination from um, John Byrne because he actually saw him play it's not just like a, a novelty pick yeah actually saw saw the six in a row as well the, lucky the, lucky man the only man who played in all six winning cup finals Pat Carty wow and uh I had a quote from John at the end of my article on Hoopsian last week. This was about oh, I love this. the first ever book about Shamrock Rovers called Come on the Hoops by Charlie Willoughby. Did you read this, Gary? There's, it's, it's literally just lies. <laughs> it's a book of lies. <laughs> it's a good movie. Book of lies. It's a book of lies. That's all it is. The odd bit of truth. I think the only true thing is that it's about Rovers. <laughs> it's, it's a good effort. But a fair few errors. I think it's up there with Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I think it's, it's in the fiction section anyway. <laughs> yeah, Mick McCarthy basically challenged me on this. Oh, you needed to bring me. I'd love to have brought yeah. Mick on and said, Mick, tell us about the book there. Because I, I mentioned I the show that I, I had pretty much every league of our own book. And he was like, like, do you have come on the hoops, Carol? He was texting me. I was like, yeah, I have that. A lot, lot of uh, mistakes in it, though, Mick. And he said he, he didn't notice them. So... There you go. The senator's being doubted, Mick. You're gonna have to put us in our place. A full page mistake. Full page mistakes. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll move on now to the game in Ireland Park and three uh, two, and sealed the league title for them. Finn came in for Boyle, McInnes for O'Neill, and Bulger for Watts. I. Uh, first of all, whether or not you sh- you think we should have played a full strength team or played our under 19s I can't believe Cummins and Brandon Cavanagh didn't start. I was like, I saw him on the bench, and I was like, seriously. But if you if you think from a professional point of view and perspective that from Bradzer, if he was to put out, I guess, like I know he's thinking about Friday, but if he was to put it out, he could probably lose a lot of respect in and around the league for not for not putting up a fight. Yeah. I can understand that that side of things, but then again, you have to think of the other side of the coin where he has to actually think about preservation and the biggest cup game in years for us and we need to prioritise that so you can understand why people were a bit frustrated with the full strength team well I hope Nota was putting into preventing them from winning the league because that was just delaying the inevitable they definitely like I mean our players were up for it they definitely were they showed fight they wanted didn't want 
Dundalk winning on their own patch. We put up a fight and uh, I'm happy we put up a fight, yeah. but this took a lot of people by surprise. This this starting eleven. It was um it was. I, I was surprised they played full strength and then fours when I heard it was fours, four to one, I thought that's that's tasty enough. But um ultimately it wasn't to be. I mentioned Cummins not playing. Alua came off the bench against Pats instead of Cummins, so that says it all. I don't think he's gonna yeah, be involved. I mean the rest of the season. That's now. him done now. Jeez, that that signing flopped, didn't it? There's a bit of hype around the deal. Flopped, massive big flopper. He's a natural finisher. Big foot. Flopper. Sorry. <laughs> Gary's second innuendo in the space of five minutes. Oh god. It's he, he is a natural finisher, but Maybe he just doesn't suit this, the way we play. Greener no. is much better suited. Yeah, to Greener's a lot more work rate and a little bit faster, a little bit fitter. So it's it's a flop, big flopper. So <laughs> pink, um, pink jersey sponsored by Mel Slattery. Yeah, Barry's favorite favorite jersey. Got them washed and pretty in pink for us. Um, Only a small number travelled, as you would expect. A Co- couple of buses had to be cancelled. Fortunately, yeah, it's just the way it is, and um, we got a bit of grief online about our. Our, our uh, attendance. Well, I expected that. Listen, this happens. Pe- people are obviously going to do it. Certain clubs that talking about getting four hundred every night, every Monday. That they they play it up there. I don't believe it at all. But listen, it happens. We, we our numbers were the top traveling away team, in in the league. There is no doubt about it. This was their only. Show chance. me the stats. We will knock it out of the park every time. The one time. That's why they jumped in it because this is Bob's fans' only opportunity. Like to a succubus. Because the rest of the season, like they, as you say, they can't match us. I, no. was, I was asked by a few people in work, was I going? And I just, you know, rhetorically replied, am I going to a dead rubber on a rainy Monday night in Chernobyl? No, I'm not going. Last time I dragged you out. <laughs> remember that? Dying fucking sick. Uh, the other yeah. dead rubber. Remember the 5-1? It reminded me of the 5-1 slightly with the rain. I wasn't at that one, but... Um, Dundalk also in terms of travelling away support don't have a leg to stand on look at their crowd in Waterford on the Friday horrendous and, and they're going for the league title horrendous imagine it we'd have packed it out like we packed Galway unbelievable how could you not want to travel how people say oh we have time no no there's no excuse you are going for the league you can win the league you're on the pathway to winning the league five and six five and six years Mm-hmm. Domination, like they've dominated. Let's be honest, and they can't pull a crowd for Waterford away, one of the best away trips. What is the problem? We all have, to, we all have work. That's no problem, but we all make it. All the fans, our fans, get down. It's, it's. I just don't get it. How can you not make the time and effort to go and watch your team on a Friday, Chris? On a Friday. This isn't a Monday night rearranged I, game we're talking. Ah, uh, it just doesn't. Like, there's no excuse for me. To be honest, there's no excuse for anyone not to go to those games. If you're call yourself a, like a dedicated fan, if you're in the mould of what we would call a fan, you know what I mean. Mm. Our our pers- our idea of a fan, you know. Was on RTE. Uh, Peter Collins said that Jack Byrne impressed many when he came on in Ireland's European qualifier. Yeah, well done. Uh, top work as always, Peter. Top work. Jesus Christ! Just do your research. Like you're on telly, you know you're on television. Like at this stage, you kind of do your research. <laughs> Uh, I was in the bucket mobile. Oh, never been in myself, that before. Yeah, myself and Twinsy. My Twinsy, uh, James Lowe. We ended up wearing the same jacket. Oh, you stole your outfit. It's like a uniform. Carl <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cairns was in it. Bucket was driving me and James Lowe. So, uh, plenty of bogeys all to go around. 
and uh, it was Milan de Stelachua. And he was on the OEPAs. He was begging everybody to take an OEPA off him because he goes, I think I've made a fatal error here. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, these are 8%. So he was he was milling them and he, I don't think he wanted to be too banjoed. But um, yeah, so there was, um, like even even just the walk into the ground and all, it's a miserable little kip. And they seem to be kind of begging for funds now. Was it Mike Tracy? He he came out and said that it wouldn't be viable to put five or six million in because that's that's what it would take to kind of bump it up to a decent stadium. So now they're going down the council road. They're well, kind of begging for the council money. A ground that they don't own. He said it's not. Yeah, worth investing which is probably in. true. It's probably yeah. true, but they're it probably makes sense for them for the council or some sort of council to get involved and, and do it up for them. But uh, yeah, so uh, we had uh, an old kerfuffle as as we say, Prof with a fell on here. He was clattered. It was good to see our lads get up in their faces. It wasn't that bad, actually. Watching the reboot back, it was just... You see 10 of them per game. Yeah, true. But you have to get... That's that's the way Dundalk do it, though. Dundalk do it to us. Just everybody... all One in, all in, as they say. And, uh, yeah, Lopez fired over from a first-time ball. Jack's ball across the box. Um, Yeah, Kevin Doyle on commentary said, we were looking for the perfect goal. I think we've often been accused of that. Yeah. First twenty-five minutes, he said we played some nice stuff, but again, looking to score the perfect goal. Trying to walk it in at times, you could say. Yeah. Um, twenty-eight minutes, hard from a corner. It looked like from obviously because the view was fantastic in fucking Oriel Park, where uh, it looked like Grace and Pico got caught up with each other, and Hard just lost the ball. I think it looked like Pico was tripping him up, so. Um, yeah, buried. He- header was buried. Nothing you can do about that. Um, then two 0 Benson another header. Great in fairness. Yeah, this was a super header. This was as far as on his left foot. See the pace he generated on that with his left foot. The cross and the header. They're the both header, super they're power, both superb. pace, bounce on it, overbalanced. Great header. Can't yeah. complain. And that was obviously a terrible time to concede. Injury time in, in the first half. One of my most hated things in life conceding at that time. Forty fifth minute. Also on commentary, supposed to hear that was Benson's first goal in 13 months. Probably the last one he scored was against us, though, was it? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Jeez. What's the up to now, I think? So. Six or seven, eight even. No, it's more. Oh, man. I think it's like 11 or 12. Ah, oh, he was yeah. torn on our side. I suppose he's been injured a lot, so that's why that's, that exists. But We thought the 55 minutes, and we had Aaron Green. Uh, another, ah, mm-hmm. oh, moment. We talked about this cross. From Cavill. Left foot. The weight on it. Pinpoint. Absolute gorgeous. My favourite assist in football is the chip over the top and it bounce, bounces on the pitch to the point where the striker doesn't even have to adjust his body. It's just on a plate. Yeah, literally. I, like he, Greener, fair enough, positionally he was, he was, he was in the right place, but it was all about Cabo. Oh. Super f- touch and finish though, right foot, just a little lob over the keeper. Lob, Man, massive lob proud of the greener though, because it was a clever finish. Ah, oh, super, yeah. I mean, the right foot over the keeper, straight in to get the ball, throwing slaps at defenders again. Because 99% of them, he's been hitting them straight yeah. at the keepers. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic stuff. So great from his right foot as well. So good to see Green pop up with another golf mode play. And uh, so I think he's topped Huban uh, for old for golf mode play. In the open play uh, chart. Penos don't count, as we say. Penos don't count. But uh, 14 goals in all competitions for Aaron Green. Very good return. So, since Gary Twig, only one player has scored Ooh. more than that in one season. And that's Brandon Mina two years ago. So, there you go. Oh, Brandon. Finn, McCabe, Berkey, Mikey Drennan, 
None of those. None of those have scored 15. Credit where it's due. Greener is doing the biz. And uh, we were in mid-abuse to some of the, to the, the Dundalk subs and we were getting a bit of, bit of crack out of them. Mid-abuse. I was making some rather disparaging comments. to. I can like you in that section of Aria Park <laughs> to, to abuse Dundalk subs. But just as I was on. getting a bit of joy out of it. Duffy rifles in this goal. <laughs> and... They just turned around and they just did that for like a funny face going, hey, you know, nearly give me the fingers. I just kind of just put my hands up and goes, nothing I can do with that. <laughs> I take that one on the chin. I'm not going to turn around and go, fuck off, yeah. No, I take that one on the chin because it was a screamer. Poor Al. We have to put together a list. Of I counted them. Go um, on. I got eight. Right, go on. Give me your eight. Eight screamers. Two against Galway. No, two against Ligo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fordyce and Keeney. And then we had Apollon, Limassol, we mm. Bergen, we had Mandrew. Mm. Ooh, that's five. This one. This one, six. What else have you got? And two Waterford ones. There was the free kick on Ooh. opening day. And there was the, the, yes. And the Galvin cracker. And recently. the Galvin cracker. Fuck me. Oh, you'd rather be buried out than just crawled yeah. in, though, I suppose. I will say about Duffy, though, that's the first time in ages he's had a good game against us. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. It's a... Uh, he was, he was excellent. He he cuts in very well. He's got power, he's pace. You know how I feel about power and pace and wit. It's something that we don't actually have. I know, you love power and pace, Alan Hansen. We, we don't, Alan Hansen. We don't have it and we don't use it. But um, we grew into the game after this. They See, they were pressing us for like 70 minutes. And we struggled with their press. We gave the ball away a lot. They sat back after about... After after we hit the goal in 65, Mac and F. Some, like they, they struggled at the back. Gave the ball away, and it was great to see us capitalise like that. It was a fantastic finish from from uh, Aaron McInef. Wasn't a belter, but went into the bottom left, and lovely disguised finish. And three uh, two game on. Control the last twenty minutes. I thought. I thought we were. They sat back, and it suited us to kind of dictate from there and to profit the chances. First of all, I like how we scored that goal because we pressed them from Rogers kick out mm. the way Berkey won it and laid it back to McAniff and Definitely, he said, yeah, that's, it was great to see it's something lovely a place different. finish but uh, yeah last 20 minutes uh, some chances who should have got a screamer tipped over the bar the left foot strike from Green like, we three, had the chances three chances so first of all we did something that we never do we, we actually broke you need to watch this back Go on. on RTE player guard this is this is a sight to behold Prof, it's, hold on you're saying we, we counter-attacked? We counter-attacked, Kerr. Pigo nicked the ball off them. McAniff gave it. He's in his own half at this, this point. This is McAniff's run. Did he yeah, run? Yeah. yeah, it was class. Two or three first-time passes later, McAniff is already up near their box and he receives it. And he was kind of he was kind of pulling away as he shot. So he ended up hitting it straight down the middle. No, it had to be so tipped over though. You know? Yeah, no, good save. But a uh, brilliant move. Excellent stuff. Really was good to watch. Really the do fans that. Going. And the other two was a Pico, Pico header from a corner. Uh, I think it was sort of blocked on the line or near the line. And then 94th minute, Green was in the edge of the box, tried <sighs> to bend it in with his left foot and it went so wide. So close. I, I was nearly celebrating. I was nearly celebrating. The Mickey was nearly out. <laughs> Save it for the marsh, Gar. <laughs> Save it for the marsh. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, should have got something out of it. Do you know what? Just, something that me and Carl Cairns, it was a snap moment. We we realised we were walking out of the ground. They just left the ground. They just won the league. Three quarters of their fans left. 
I, I don't get it. I don't get it. How can you? Like, we're walking with all of them. They all let us out together. First time in... First time I can remember that they let us out. Hmm. Forced in, in Oriel Park. They just walked out. I just don't get it. There's a couple of fans in the pitch now. They didn't want no smoke either. They didn't want to come over. They, they You'd have fans golden us and all. They kept their distance. They knew we were in the fucking height of it. Can't, couldn't see them coming anywhere near us. Are they perhaps jaded with their five league titles in six <sighs> years? I hope, fucking, I hope so. We can take one off them. But that was it. They just left. Didn't even I'm stick sure, around. I don't know. I'm sure if we were bound back to 1987, Rovers won the four in a row. I doubt you had... 2,000 fans going nuts because yeah, we did, it's prof. the fourth in a row. Sure, but, prof. We did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so understandable to, to an extent. No, don't agree with you there. Get but, out of the club. But, <laughs> no, but yeah, if I was there and I was watching three quarters of the fans walk by me, I would be... It would, you'd like be I'd yeah. be taken aback by it, all right? As a player as well, you'd be disgusted. Uh, do we have to talk about this gap? Fucking 15-point gap, jeez. Well, what I noticed about it is... This gap, like, realistic, b- b- before you say that... Saying to Anton Matthews last night, realistically, if you look, let's say you're on live scores and you're checking scores and you're looking at leagues, if you look at a 15 point gap, what do you think? One horse race. Yeah. And we'll tell you, oh, we were good. We we could have been up there. Let's let's look at it on paper. We're nowhere near it. Are we? No. On paper, we're fucking nowhere near it. That gap. I mean, yeah, we lost three times to Bows, and that essentially killed their challenge, but that gap has a lot more to do with the Docks farm than our own failings. They have been relentless. They've got 65 65 points out of the possible last 69. That is outrageous. How could anybody cope with that? Mutants. Michael O'Neill's teams in 2010-2011 did not have this Dundalk team to cope with. Yeah. They would not have caught them. I think it's down to the extra few fingers that they have. Possibly the the strain of mutagen that they have in their bodies. That's what happens, you know. Yeah, must be here. All these experiments. <laughs> Pat Holbin perpetuating the myth that just seems to continue. He said, "I wouldn't take him at this stage." Maloney made a fantastic uh, statement, doubting his hunger. I wouldn't touch Huban. Yeah, it screams of a Quigley or a. Zaid, yes, definitely, definitely. I'd be very, very wary of it. But he he tweeted that earlier in the season they were thirteen points ahead of us, and people were thinking the league was over. But we didn't think that at all. Who other than Johnny Ward, a Galway journalist, thought the league was over? And somehow it's attached to Rovers still. Second, he said that I just went this. Rovers are not going to win the league. (laughs) I know. Second, he did a gypsy course. Yeah. Um, what I'll say about Dundalk is their recruitment has actually been pretty poor. Yeah, another but good point that was made in one of our chats because we'd normally be going and raving about their turnover of goal scorers and pivotal players. But, like, in the last, even last season wasn't great. They got your man Adjornan. They got that guy from from Novara in Serie B. It, it uh, wasn't the great. Lithuanian yeah, yeah. He's with Waterford now. Yeah. It's, the, great. it's their core that have delivered for them yet again like their signings didn't even have to work out whereas if you look at Stephen Kenny when he came here in 2012 after the success of Mike O'Neill back back to back titles Kenny had to sign virtually a whole new back five he was going to live and die based on his new signings Vinnie Perth did not have that worry No, that squad was the exact same except for Steve O'Donnell 
and he just had to kind of step it wasn't stepping into the unknown either he's mm. been with that team for the last while as well mm. so um, yeah it's it's something that well, you can't take anything away from them no they're, they're excellent their hunger and desire it's just it's unparalleled it's on another level yeah we can't yeah. we can't so, so we'll move on away from the 15 point gap and the fact that we didn't win the league yeah oh. <laughs> uh, underage results the Rovers under 19 ended their league campaign with a 1-0 defeat to Bray and Tala and the 17s drew one all away to Bray and they have one game left at home to Carlo Kilkenny that'll be 2pm on Saturday Tala Stadium so hopefully we'll all still be up celebrating oh <laughs> the nerves I was looking up the top goal scorers in go on in the two leagues there the 17 Sinclair Armstrong is, is top with 16 16 goals so we have <laughs> Potential on our hands here, and Thomas Alua is third highest in the 19th. He also has 16 goals. 16 goals and a good return for Luke and Stalwart Thomas Oluya. Uh, the 15s and the 13s league semi-finals are coming up this weekend, and the 15s they play Dundalk on Saturday, five o'clock at the road. The 13s they play Pats on Sunday, two o'clock at Richmond Park. So best of luck to both of our young Rovers teams. Hopefully they bring home some sort of silverware. Uh, long watch prof Dean Williams finished the season with 15 first division goals We're, people are talking about Rob Hanley off Cabinteely and things like that we have a gem diamond in the rough here he has to get a chance next season 15 goals for two different teams in two different styles of play obviously two, two teams they might but it's not the same structure it's not the same way it works he scored 15 goals for those two it's, it's fantastic it's your most successful loaned out player in a while we, we who else was no, no one's been accessible as that maybe Podge and before, before O'Neill came in we had uh, yeah Podge and Kilduff went out definitely definitely this is the most successful I can't yeah. think of anybody if anybody can let us know but um, yeah so um, speaking of young players 14 year old Evan Ferguson made his senior debut for balls I was talking I was talking to Fabio O'Brien about this I was talking to just a couple of people and I could be on the fence I don't know how to feel about it. Like if if you're good enough, if you're old enough, is it? That's what Paul's like to say. Mm-hmm. If you're old enough, good enough. Play football now, and um, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, there's there's welfare rules there. I, I don't know. It's it's I I think it's illegal in England, possibly. I don't think a fourteen year old. Interestingly, play. Peter Fitzpatrick pointed out that an under 15s player is not allowed to play under 19s football. Yet he can play senior men's football. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, that's that's nailed the head there. Then. You cannot play 15. 15 year old cannot play 19s. 150. I think I think it might be too young. Because it's a, it's a child. They're still developing. Fair enough, they could be big. And like, we had a 15 year old play. Mm. But is it is it about physicality? Is it about mentality? I think there's a lot of things involved there, especially even with the dressing room. Conan Bourne made a good point about the dressing room. Can you like you? You've seen what goes on in dressing rooms. They're mental at times. Can you put a child in there, a realistic child, put it into a man's dressing room? There's, there's, it's tricky. It is. It's really tricky. I'm sure that, and it's a, that we don't really know much about as regards to regulations and rules and things like that. So it is something that you probably have to get a little bit of clarity on. I'm sure they'll deny it, but there's definitely an element of they wanted to break a record. Definitely. 100%. And they're obviously trying to add a few quid onto his price tag. Because he's been courted by Premier League clubs, so a senior a senior appearance in the Premier League, Premier Division of Ireland for a fourteen year old, obviously they're gonna bump up the price yeah. tag. 
Well, listen, we're open to criticism too because we brought on a 15-year-old Sinclair Armstrong in the second half yeah. of an FEI Cup game last season. And we and, were critical of that. And he's not been on the bench even since, yeah. uh, over a year later. So I still have questions over that. Yeah, we were critical of that at the yeah. time. So let's let's just clear that up in case any uh, anyone wants to have a pop at us over that, which I'm sure people will after this because you know certain podcasts, certain people have certain pops at us. And pick out every little thing that we do. Um, yeah, so we're going to move on now to the most elusive kit man in the world, and it's Mal Slattery. Okay, I'm here with Shamrock Rovers kit man, Mal Slattery. So, Mal, when did you first come to the club? Oh, 2011. Yeah, 2011. So, the last season, Michael O'Neill. Yeah, I was doing a bit from Michael actually before that, so for about two years previous to that, match reports and watching teams and stuff like that as well so yeah we came in so at the end of Michael's tether and they started the Stevens so what was Michael like to work with? he's very good <laughs> uh, you've seen a few Rovers managers come and go over the years so I mean what sort of differences have you noticed maybe in this regime and this group compared to others in the past? Well, I think it's the bond with the staff the players uh, the whole environment you know what I mean it's really really good to be involved in you know, it's just it's kicking on week in, week out. Like so, it's been really good. Like to be fair, you know. When you shared this job with uh, Jerry Byrne, he's been there since the formation of the Four Hundred Club. So, how does that work dividing up those responsibilities? I do all the work, and he gets the prize. <laughs> nah, we just we've always been a very good team. We tag each other well, so you know he does his bit, I do my bit, and that's it. Like you know, what I mean, it's straightforward enough. Like it's not rocket science, as people tell you, you know. Any embarrassing stories you can share about Jerry? No, because uh, he has a few on me. <laughs> so we'll save that for another time. Give us a quick idea of the, the routine, I suppose, of the, the two kit men on the night. Um, well, normally for me, I come down on a Thursday evening. Uh, if it's a home game, get everything kind of set up. So it just leaves bits and pieces to be done then on, on a Friday. We like to get here kind of around just after 4 o'clock and good possibly what two hours before the players arrived just to make sure all the little bits and pieces are done you know all spots are ready and all the bits and pieces that go that people don't see you know what I mean that's part and parcel of it so that's basically it it's probably two hours on a Thursday and you know an hour on a, on a Friday or wherever else just getting everything ready you know so has any Robbers player past or present had a strange superstition that you've had to accommodate oh there's a few of them alright they like different things at different times and well, it's just their own little ways you know uh, it's just part and parcel of it realistically like you know what I mean oh, without naming names give us, an, give us a strange one oh, there's a few people would like their own uh, special underwear that is falling to pieces you know what I mean it's definitely seen better days like you know what I mean but it's the lucky underwear as far as they're concerned so we just give them what they want and makes our life easier when they have everything there so Happy days. A lot of them are the same with socks. A lot of them won't wear brand new socks, to be fair. They try and use an older one, which is not easy when you're doing a new kit. So you have to kind of, you know, roughen them up a little bit, you know, before they do it. But other than that, nothing major, you know. There was one one player not too long ago that wanted a special T-shirt that he's had since he was a kid. But obviously he had grown (laughs) since... And it didn't fit him anymore that he was trying to put under his jersey. But as you said, we won't go into names. Anyway. <laughs> so tell us, what do you like about the job? 
and everything about it. Match day is absolutely brilliant. The buzz around it, you know. Uh, since the new stand and all, it's gone up the feeling that you get even when you're on the bench or beside the bench or whatever else. You just feel the, you know, the enjoyment out people as well. You know what I mean? The, it's really, really good. It's hard to describe unless you're involved, and then when you have been involved in it, it's very hard for you not to be. You know that way. We sound a bit strange, but that's the way it is. Like you know. Do you ever get as animated on that bench as uh, Darren Dillon does? Uh, nah, I've learnt me lesson years ago. There's no point getting involved with <laughs> referees and not going to win. You know what I mean? So, no, don't. You know, at the end of the day, like you know, they're their own you know people and they make their own decisions and that's it you know I've never seen one that has ever overturned a decision so in the heat of the moment yeah you let a little roar out or whatever else but you know what's the point look you know I'd rather focus on other things you know that's going on look you know it's been a couple of big wins this season maybe most notably how much the brand that pulls through in Europe so what was the dressing room like after that uh, one especially absolutely fantastic it was absolutely buzzing it really was and you know there's certain times that you know you can feel it and you can sense it and even coming off the pitch and you're now coming back in and everything else like you know that's just it's just a different feeling you know what i mean it's a really special feeling you know that hopefully we'll start coming around an awful lot more now as well like you know with last time we kind of experienced that was when you're winning leagues and when you're winning cups and stuff like that as well so and it's a very special thing like did you enjoy the trips to uh, norway and cyprus and what sort of preparation for you goes into those journeys yeah, there's a lot of preparation but it's not like any other kind of away match you know you just you need to have everything with you you just can't leave anything to chance like with a home game you can just run out to the kit room and grab something with a away game we probably bring more than what we should for anything but I've learned in the past you're better off having it than not having it you know what I mean and trying to go look for it like you know so you know it's it's now kind of different really you know what I mean it just uh, the best feeling in the world is when you get off the plane and you know every bag that you brought over is actually after coming off the conveyor belt you know what I mean so it's it's handy that way like you know we've had a few little scares going down the years you know with bag being missing and all so you know once you know you have everything you can relax down and just get on with it like you know Any interesting or weird story from a European away? No, uh, anything that happens abroad stays abroad and, and that's it <laughs> I actually agree with that one uh, you're also involved with the Republic of Ireland underage structure and the underage or the Sunday morning Shamrock Rovers Academy. So do you enjoy those extra roles? Absolutely, yeah. I've been involved now with you know behind the scenes with Rovers for probably eight nine years as well. Like some, the way it has grown in the last few years is absolutely brilliant, and a lot of the kids that we started with are now kind of hitting under twelve, under thirteen, and getting into representative football and all, which is, is brilliant for us to see them. You know coming from four or five year old kids and all of a sudden then they're getting onto representative squads and hopefully going to become internationals and hopefully one of these days we'll get one that has come right through the academy we'll play for the first team which won't be far off now over the next kind of two to three years so that'd be a very proud moment for us all you know that's involved in that look you know we lost the uh, League of Ireland stalwart recently Michael Locker Davis former Bray and Cabo kitman did you know him at all? I did indeed I know Locker a long time yeah very good lad uh, very friendly very easy to get on with you know there was never anything you know there was a problem with Locker you know a lot of the kit men you know that they know the ins and outs so you know he would have been one of the old school ones as well you know he'd, he'd ring you on the day of the match he'd go through everything you know if he wanted to wear a certain colour or whatever he'd oblige you and all so yeah he was a really good fella really really good lad looking you know and 
was always very welcome and when you'd go out there you'd always have the kettle on and you know tell you to come up for a cup of tea when you were ready and all half the times you couldn't get up like but even after the match then you'd say to you to pop in for a beer or whatever but you couldn't do that either because you were driving you know what I mean but you'd just pop up have a quick cup of tea and off you go then so you know really good lad like really good personality and you know would there be other kit men or other clubs that you get on well with on the other hand some in the past you didn't get on well with absolutely like and I'm sure there's a few that don't like us as well like but that's just part and parcel like you know you, you will have your your rivals and you know you'll have you know people that you just you just don't like you know there is a few like in uh down the years and all that that you've had run-ins with for whatever reason like you know but in general like a lot of them have been there a long time for especially and I would know them from you know walking through the league of Ireland for nearly 20 years now so you know I don't really have too many problems with them but we have had a few little incidents but that's why we have Jerry there <laughs> uh, lastly I was given a couple of questions Robert Goggin says players sometimes like to have the same number as they go through their careers so what about arriving at a ground and finding something missing like when Roberts went to Glasgow in 1986 they had to wait a day for the keeper's jersey to follow <laughs> Uh, kit man's worst nightmare so that's what you try to plan that you've got everything um, yeah I agree players do like to have their own numbers and you know sometimes it works perfectly like that or other times you might turn up and realise that he's given it away two days beforehand and not told you you know so we try to have a little backup plan with that and like nowadays with blood jerseys and spare jerseys and you know different kids being brought in at different times you would have a couple of spare numbers so touch wood so far we we haven't had that problem but I'm sure, I'm sure it, it'll happen again you know some states like do some players care more than others for example when Graham Burke came back did he look for a certain number or did he mind no to be honest like sometimes when, when the lads they were signing like as you were saying they like a certain number or whatever but in general like a lot of them would come especially even Graham coming back this year to say this and what's available and all and there was two or three options available and he picked the one that he wanted and, and that was he was happy enough with that so it was straightforward enough like you know I had one or two that have looked to change kind of once or twice halfway through seasons or whatever because they felt the number was unlucky because they weren't getting in or whatever but <laughs> that's just players you know you just say to them ah yeah we look at the end of the season and then they get a goal I get a good performance underneath them and they're happy enough again then they move on like you know but no, in general it's it's fairly straightforward to be honest with you you know Unless you're signing a whole new team, you know, that's the only way that you can really do it, like, you know. Have you ever seen a little dispute between two players over a number? <sighs> a few times. <laughs> a few times, yeah. Toss a coin there about three seasons ago. And uh, they still couldn't agree, so I didn't give either of them the number. <laughs> and uh, they both had a little mouth for a while, but listen, at the end of the day, you know what I mean? They weren't going to be happy, you know what I mean? So it was best not to give it to them, you know. Then the player I did give it to it didn't last very long, so that didn't <laughs> that didn't go down too well too either, like you know. And again, don't don't have to name names who don't want to, but do you have a favourite dressing room story? Maybe the funniest thing you've seen in a football dressing room. I do remember one kind of uh, going back a good few years now when I was with Shelbourne and we were playing Lille in uh, in Lansdowne Road and. There was absolute murder in the dressing room at half time. We were losing 2 0. There was digs thrown. There was 
tables up ended, there was cups of tea up ended, there was absolute carnage uh, at the time. I'm nearly sure Pat Fallon was suspended as well. And um so obviously there wasn't, you know, technically a manager in, in the dressing room, you know what I mean? Eamon Collins was looking after the team and Eamon was trying to rejig the stuff around so the, the staff had a little room offside while it was all going on and he kind of walked back in not knowing that there was at the been about five six minutes of absolute carnage you know and then the lads went out on the pitch and like the first half they'd been absolutely battered and then the second half they went out and got two goals and brought it back to two all that was really like one way no one had a clue what went on at half time and I was I remember it was a couple of days later that even Eamon and Pafan and then came to me and they said we didn't realise this had happened and that had happened and this had happened you know what I mean because it was just one of them the lads just knuckled down and went back out like you know so that was one that always kind of stuck to me you know what I mean that they were killing each other you know 15 minutes beforehand or whatever else like and then you know they're hugging and kissing one another after you score like so you know that's just players for you like okay last question it's one that was sent in to me uh, have you ever asked for Ray Whedon's autograph I've had his autograph a few times to try and sign a few checks, like you know what I mean. But uh, he's not far coming doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now he's a top lad. He's uh, he's been very good for us for the last number of years, and we'd be lost without him. You know, really, really top fella. Like so, you know, I'm delighted to have him on board. Yeah, I asked him his favourite dressing room story there, and he he gave me that 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 mad one with the uh, Shelburne in the UEFA Cup 2004. Dressing room going absolutely nuts. Like even before Nutty came in. So Nutty came into like uh, scenes of chaos before he gave his team doc. So he thought that was hilarious because he, he was involved with shells back then. So, yeah, Mouse Lafferty, the only survivor guard from the 2012 Cull. Stephen Kennedy's uh, backroom staff. staff. Yeah, you got Stephen Glass. Well, Colin Hawkins stayed, but not as a coach, though. He stayed on as a B-team manager. Yeah, yeah, he's so done. He he's wasn't done. in Crowley's... Am I right with that? Inner circle, possibly. He's, he's on his inner circle. Maybe I'm wrong with that. Maybe Hawkins stayed on as this manager because John Gill came the following year, maybe, under oh, Crowley. Prof, prof yeah. struggling with the stats. He's losing it. Well, I was given a stat that he was the only survivor. Oh, call, yeah, right? blame the other stat. Oh, blame Stato. So in, in tribute to Mal, the picture for this week's uh, SoundCloud upload is a picture of him in Cork. Uh, nice close-up, what do you think, Gar? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Oh, he's going to love that one. Apparently got a bit of stick over that. It was, it was pinned up in the office. Def- yeah, they're definitely going to have to go with in that Tata. one. Yeah, big shout out to Mal. Yeah, thanks for Mal doing the interview, even though he is quite elusive and took age. But uh, yeah, so Prof, I'm going to give some stats, eh? All positive. No. All hopefully to please Mr. Fenlon. <laughs> uh, no. But, no, no uh, stats? No, I do have stats. I mentioned that we were going for an eight consecutive win before a Pats. That would have been the best since 87, so we didn't get that one. Also, if we had got uh, an eight consecutive win in Tala, that would have been a new record. Because we were on a run of seven, including League Cup Europe. It'd be wild to be go for so that, yeah. sadly we were denied there uh, in Dundalk Ronan Finn made his 400 career league appearance yeah big shout out to Ronan to Row Row and that was our first defeat in 10 league games if we had made 10 that would have been our best run in 4 years but we, we did not 
So we couldn't spoil the party in Dundalk. This was this was a Tuesday trivia question. We saw that on Twitter. I said, when was the last time we spoiled the party? And the answer was Derry in 1997. <laughs> wow. Interestingly, <laughs> Derek Tracy scored a long-range screamer against Tony O'Dowd that oh, day. Ah, yes. Yeah. I actually talked to Tony yeah. quite often. I must say that to him. Yeah. Hey, we still have a jersey for Dutch Jerry. Yeah. It's a cracker jersey. You want to take it off me before I get too comfortable in it? It's quite retro and cool. Yeah, so we also spoiled the party in, in Derry in 1989 and in Athlone in 1981. But that's twice now we couldn't do it against Dundalk. They beat us to win the league. So last time we met Bowles in the FBI Cup was was the famous one, 2006 first division. Oh, sorry, 2006 second round. Drew one all Talca. 1-2-0 in the replay at Daly Mount. Cassidy scored a brace. Baz saved a penalty from Gareth Farley, which got him the sack. Yahoo! So we were a first division club, so that was that was a big scalp. Only the third time since the nineteen thirties that we've met Bowles in the semi finals. So we lost third time since the thirties. Yeah, we lost one 0 Daily Mount in the thousand one thousand two semi. Hundred years. This fixture hasn't been. Think about that. Let's just mm. hammer that point home. One hundred years, nearly. This fixture of us semis Bowles in the cup. That is how rare and fucking. Fantastic, this fucking fixture is going to be, lads. So we won it last time. We beat them 2-0 in Talca, 2002, 2003. So semi-finals in recent times. We lost to Dundalk in 2017 after replay. Belt up again. Lost lost to replay to Derry in 2014. Lost away to Sligo in 2013. We did beat Pats in 2010. But we lost to Pats in 2006. So we lost four of our last five semi-finals. Shut up, prof. Thanks, Gary. Get out of the club. Um, and that's it yeah so that's it for the stats and we actually we did it we actually prepared these starting 11s this time I think bit of, bit of tinkering but yeah. Well, I've written mine down so uh, starting oh, well prof prof now come on you have to get the don't be rushing it okay. so it's uh, starting 11s and predictions <laughs> what are you going for I don't mind I'm convinced we're going to be the same team We'll go. We'll go player for player. We've never done that before. Right, okay. big Al. Yeah. No, I'm playing pause in this one. I think it's time. <laughs> I think he's ready. We're gonna go for laugh. Left full. Yep. Grayson Pico. Yep. Finn right full. Like I said, it kills me. Yeah. I don't. I want the press. I want Finn with the press and the, the fitness and the and the hair flick. I want him in the centre mid, but it's not gonna happen. <sighs> unless unless all our prayers for Joey. To recover from his plantar fascia has been received. Plantar fascia. He's still in a protective boot, isn't he? So, yeah. I don't think he's. Yeah, Finn, 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 Finn right back. Uh, gives you three centre mids. Well, I don't know who is in the right wing, so three of these. The four. right side of the cloud, let's say. I suppose the right side of the cloud, I have McIniff. Yeah, same myself. And I have Bulger, O'Neill, and Burr in the middle. I have O'Neill, Bulger, and Bourne, yeah. And. Man the moment. Sean Cavanaugh. Yeah, and Green. Yeah. We actually have the same teams. Yeah. Are we both being... We're not being adventurous. We're not... Like, Bulger on O'Neill, you could say that is cautious. I don't think it is. I think it's passion. Like, we need a bit of passion. need a bit of Bulger. Hmm. O'Neill will want to have to keep them pockets open, stick fucking Danny Mandrew in it again, or Plus, whoever else. I don't mean to sound blasphemous. I've picked this team partially because we don't have to win the game. Very true. We can be a little bit cautious if we want. We don't have to go all out. And 
Bork's been a passenger for me. So mm. I think it's a great sub to have. Like at that moment at the moment of time now, look, we've got Bork. Bork as a sub. Who who else have we got? We've got Kavanaugh as a sub. We've got Olua as a sub. Who else have we got? Who else have we got to bring on to change it? Well Ferugia, by the way, was on the bench against yeah, Dundalk. I don't so think he'll feature at all. Unless he comes on the last few minutes. Why away. didn't he? Why, why, why would you? I think he'd be insane. Run down the clock if we're winning or something, yeah, maybe. But drawing a couple of fouls. But I think he'd be insane to play him anyway. The last time we dropped Berkey, obviously he made us look very foolish. And I hope he does it again. Yeah, I hope but so. Based and on let, what let, we've seen, let's be honest. He's not dropping. Hmm. Let like realistically, Stephen Bradley's not dropping Bork. Well, what I've noticed is he plays Cavo in these sort of games, left back. Yeah. Which is a shame because I want to see him up further up the pitch. See, we're going to be dealing. It depends on what both team turns up or who's even going to play. Like Ward, Buckley, Mandrew, no, Denny Corbin's not there. That young guy Tierney and Grant, they're, they're, those guys are so fast, they're wide. That's going to be a massive problem. And even Lafferty, I'm looking at my team now with Lafferty left back. Lafferty looks sluggish against Dundalk. Great, great player. But he, I don't think he'd be able to keep up with the likes of Grant or that young Tierney guy. But are they even going to play? We don't know what way balls are going to set up. Um, I'd be sticking Bulger on big Allardyce in the middle if he starts. He kind of likes to sit in front, quarterback roll, and just kind of spray balls around. I'd be saying Bulger, get in there, fucking smack him. Just straight in from the get-go. Yeah. Get in their face, pressure them, press them, do everything we can to fucking disrupt them at home and work off the counter. But if they're not going to sit back, they're going to come in our face, they're going to impress us as well. If Long was at that game in Dundalk... He's just going to look at that and think, let's press these and see what happens. Mm. It is home. a bit concerning. We've not played well in a while. No. Let's be honest. We were good in patches in, in one day, but I'm just as nervous going into this derby as I was the last one, and we were firing firing in all cylinders back then. Yep. I hope we Certainly haven't made not. the mistake of changing a winning formula. Now, like Berkey, he did play in all seven of those wins, but... If it reduces the influence of Jack Byrne, then that could be costly. Put it this way, like if you're going to have two passengers on a team against a hard working Bowes team that are gonna press you for eighty to ninety minutes, you you can afford one. You can afford a luxury player like Jack. If that's your preference, Borky could be our preference. I think we can only afford one luxury player like this. Jack does get stuck in as well, but I think that type of player who you can kind of give that free rein to and say, go and do, work your magic, Jack's, a, Jack's the guy for me. I think he can unlock it and he's due a performance against balls. The stakes are so high, Gary. It's actually scary. It's either our first cup final in nine years or balls get to play in the Aviva for the first time. It's like this, like, Prof, 1987 is the last time we won, won the cup. No movie came out in 1987. Lethal fucking weapon. Predator. Get to the chopper. That came out in 1987. I wasn't born in 1987. That is how long it's been since we've won the cup. This has to stop. It has to change. Let's have a fucking day out. Once we get to that cup final, if we get there, I have every every hope and, and, and concern. No, I, I just think we could do it. If we get onto a big grass pitch like that, I reckon we could beat anybody. It's all about getting past this fucking huge stumbling block hurdle, whatever the fuck you want to call it, that is balls away. Mm. This is going to be the most talked about fixture for the next 10 years within the fan base. It really is. 
and um our way ticket information came quite late. There's been all sorts going on behind the scenes. Uh, Royal Rumbles and fucking wrestling matches going on <laughs> at board level. Um, Monday morning, members first, and then there were season ticket holders queuing at the Mega Store on Tuesday, and the vast majority of people got looked after, but unfortunately, some people were turned away. It's just the way it is, and one of the times that it is going to be beneficial to be a member, mm-hmm. and I totally agree with that. The length of that queue was shades of Juventus 2010. It was, it was going out to the bus stop, and. Um, our, our resident I don't know even what re- what type of resident he is but he's kind of Foley and he managed to sleep through the ticket sales and the Dundalk match on Monday so fair play Connor get out of the club <laughs> and he's home alone as well doing the washing and <laughs> he was putting on the chat what, where does the liquid go in the washing machine <laughs> he's a fucking cracker he is he's home alone setting booby traps for burglars and all he's coming yeah he's coming in and his, his t-shirts on his on his legs and his trousers are over his head he's not even dressing himself Fair play to Tommy Tommy. He sent some takeaway to the people in the queue. Yeah, it actually said on just the or Marvin.ie, the people at the top of the queue. The lads at the top the of the queue. The lads at the top yeah. of the queue. So Tommy Tommy, one of the one of the people, as you say. And uh now the big thing that we want to organise now and sort out is gonna take two minutes of your time to listen to this. We are organising a march on Daily Mount. This is something we've never done before. We have come together as different splinter cells of the Rovers connection. We have every facet and every type of Rover fan all coming together on on Friday and we are going to meet at 6 o'clock at Murray's on O'Connell Street and we're going to march on Daily Mount. I, want, I would love to get over 500 people marching on. Like we do on away trips, we take over the fucking city and we walk in, we walk, and people are just looking in awe and thinking, who the fuck are these guys? Well, that's what it's going to do. We're going to show them who fucking runs this city. So we're meeting at 6 o'clock at Murray's on O'Connell Street. Get there, make some fucking noise and we're going to march on Daily Mount and we're going to take this fucking spot in the Aviva because that's what's going to happen. So if you have any questions qualms anything get on to us on our instagram tales from the east end talk to us on twitter at east end pod get in touch ticket or no fucking ticket get down get yourself heard we'll sort something we'll we'll definitely have some sort of spare or something come down and if not we'll we'll, we'll do our best to try and accommodate everybody do not miss this for fear of not having a ticket get down experience the march and we will try and do our best to sort everybody out so that is it for this week prof i am buzzing right now I'm dying to get a hold of this fucking a Friday. It can't come quick enough. This week is going to be excruciating. So we're going to leave it at that before I fucking jump through the window. And uh, yeah, we will see you, Murray, 6 o'clock, O'Connell Street, and we will march on fucking Fisborough. So that is it for this week. So keep on hooping. See ya.